missed you all. Thank you. Today is a very special Sunday. We call it Upward Sports Sunday. It's something that we do every year since we started Upward Basketball many years ago, and Keith will be telling you more about that in just a few moments. And as Isaiah mentioned, this is our biggest outreach of the year, and so we need a lot of support Uh, This has eternal consequences. Today we're calling the message, Jesus Loves Children. And this morning I met some folks in the back row who were here for the first time and was telling what the message was about. It's going to be a little different today. And we sang together, Jesus Loves the Little Children, together. One of the mottos we have for Upward Sports is, every child is a winner. And what we mean by that is not that They learn to play basketball, and they become the best basketball player in the neighborhood, and they win all their games. That's not the kind of winning we're talking about, or even having a winning season. And we want our kids to have a good time and learn basketball. Don't don't get me wrong. But what we mean by winners is as they're learning to play basketball, they're also learning about who? Our God, Jesus Christ, his son, his love for them. And one day, they end up in heaven. That's what makes them a winner. Amen? And we play a role in that. We play uh, a vital part in that. And Keith's going to be telling you more about the role you're going to be playing here in just a moment. Now, we also have a motto in our church. Upward has a motto, every child's a winner. But in our church, our motto is this, every member is a minister. Bruce, how many ministers do you have at your church? Well, as many members as we have. God has a ministry for you. We cannot do what we're about to do without you. One of the basic truths is you are here for a purpose. As a matter of fact, God has five purposes for your life. Worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism, and ministry. And ministry can take various forms. And what role you'll play in Upward depends on the way you're kind of wired up by God. But you're not here by accident this morning. You're not here in this life by accident. God has a purpose for every single one of you. And there's no greater feeling than being used by God and leading someone to Jesus Christ. You say, Bruce, man, you're really starting to sound like a recruiter here. No, I am not recruiting for me. I'm recruiting for Keith. (laughs) But remember, Keith's in good company because Jesus was what? A recruiter. Jesus recruited 12 commissioners, right? Didn't he? And, And he did it on purpose after 40 days of fasting. And I can assure every single one of you that Keith has been fasting for 40 days. He's not had, um, 
boiled okra for 40 days and 40 nights, I can guarantee you that. Nor, I'm going to guess, liver and onions. He's probably not had that for... Sushi, I know he hasn't had for 40 days and 40 nights. So he's out there. I know some of you, you know, just different tastes. But, but this is a, kind of a rare thing in Jesus' day for a rabbi to actually actively seek students. Because rabbis in Jesus' day were above that sort of thing. They did not recruit. But student preachers that wanted to be like the rabbi would follow the rabbi. Jesus prayed and fasted and sought his students. And the 12 commissioners that he chose, I guarantee you no other rabbi would choose them. They would not be brought into their school. No way, but Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And and he picked guys like Peter. No one wanted a Peter, a cussing sailor who was wishy-washy. He'd say one thing and do another. He was here today and gone tomorrow. No one wanted a Peter. And yet, Jesus says, I want you. I see greatness in you, Peter. I see a rock in you. I see a stable one in you. Now, he wasn't that yet. And some of you aren't quite there yet, but you're a Peter in the making. He, he recruited a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. No rabbi, no rabbi in Jesus' day would have recruited a tax collector. As a matter of fact, Jewish law prevented them from even coming into the temple to worship God. They were excluded because they worked for the Romans, collecting taxes for Rome from their own people. They were turncoats. But Jesus recruited Matthew. And he also recruited this guy by the name of Simon the Zealot. What's a zealot? A zealot's a terrorist. Or a freedom fighter, depending on what side of the fence you're on, right? He was one of those cloak and dagger kind of guys that would sneak up in the middle of the night, find a Roman soldier on guard duty, and slit his throat. I'm going to take him out, you know, one Roman soldier at a time. That's the kind of tactics the zealots would use. And I guarantee you, you put a Simon in the same room with a Matthew without Jesus there, Simon would have killed Matthew. But Jesus has this way of recruiting and changing lives to get people to love one another and get along with one another and serve a higher and better cause that's greater than themselves. Whoa, what a rabbi, what a teacher. What a leader. And now God's called us today. He's called each and every one of us to play a part. Keith is going to tell you some of our needs this morning. And then he's going to give us sort of a picture of what this ministry might look like if we all played our part. And so, Keith, why don't you kind of come up and do your thing. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you. Hey, I just have to say... uh, you know, I work with Leanne, and uh, sometimes she talks to me. And uh, you'd have thought I would have known all about the pillowcase, but it wasn't until I watched that video that I just realized that those little Indian kids are going to be laying their heads on those pillows every night. And I've seen how they sleep. They have, like, grass mats that they lay on a hard uh, floor. That's, that's their bed. So can you imagine what those kids are going to be thinking every time they lay their head on one of those nice, soft, beautiful pillows? Great ministry. Thanks for everybody that... Uh, devoted their time to doing that. Hey, um, I love what it says in the second chapter of Acts. 
it talks about the Christian community back then, and it says that they devoted every they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's the kind of church that I want to belong to. You know, that's the example that we have of a church family, of a church community. But then it says this, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I've been at this church for nearly 60 years, and I don't think I've ever seen the Lord adding daily. But wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if people were being saved on a daily basis around this place? I mean, I would love to be a part of that. That would, that would be so great. But I've, I've come to know a truth. And that's this, that the only way the church grows, and I know it's not the only way, there are other ways too, but practically the only way that a church grows is when people start bringing their friends to church. That's the bottom line. That's what I've seen in my experience is that's how it happens. But what if you're like me, and maybe a lot of you are, all my friends are Christians. I hang out with a bunch of Christian people all the time. Now, I, I have, there's some non-Christians that work with me, and I do my best to be a light to that world. But uh, how do I do it? How do I surround myself with some people that near, need to hear the gospel? Okay? So I was thinking, well, maybe I can start hanging out in bars. You know, there's probably some non-Christians there, but then people might see me and that wouldn't have my disguise on her. I was thinking, you know, maybe I could hang out with some of our band members and, you know, get, get in some kind of trouble with them and get thrown into prison. There's probably some non-Christians there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that probably wouldn't work. And then I thought, well, maybe there's an app for this, you know, to get some non-Christians friends. But all, all the good ones cost money, and I only download the free apps. <laughs> so here's what I found. I did find some tools that can be used to finding non-Christian friends. So I brought them in my toolbox today. Here's one of them. It's a soccer ball. Okay, and in, in, in another week, we're going to be starting a soccer camp. We're going to have people coming into this place where we get to use the soccer ball as a tool for reaching them for Christ. There's a couple more. I know you're wondering how I fit this basketball in a toolbox, right? Yeah, but this, this pom-pom, this basketball, these are simply tools that we get to use to draw people into our midst here. We have a beautiful gymnasium that kids love to play in. We get to use these things as tools for reaching our community for Christ. We, we have an incredible opportunity. We have an incredible opportunity for people to come and join us here and to be exposed to the good news of Jesus. And, uh, and we get to do it all here. Did you guys love the heat yesterday? Air-conditioned gym, gymnasium, okay? You don't think that draws people in, okay? We, we have this beautiful opportunity that the Lord has given us, surrounded by lots of parking, you know, beautiful facility. And so I'm hoping that each of you 
will choose to be a part of this ministry. My goal today is to help you understand how you can do that because really everybody can play an important part. I want you to look in your bulletin and there's an insert that looks like this. And uh, maybe behind the uh, graduation insert that's in there. By the way, you notice there's some uh, blanked out pictures in that insert there. Yeah, we could have put all the pictures in there if we wanted to. But you're going to have to come on Saturday if you want to see everybody, if you want to see all those graduates, okay? A little incentive for you. See uh, Letty or Eddie Pena if you uh, want to attend that. But, but to take a look at this, uh, this insert here, okay, I just want to run you real quick through these things. And my, my hope is that every one of you today will put a, a check mark in one of those boxes, okay? So let's go over this together real quickly. The first one on there is uh, advertising. You know, we're in the middle of an advertising campaign right now. People don't find our basketball league just because we have a sign out on Painter Avenue. It takes a lot more work than that. You know, we can email past uh, participants, but we have to do a whole lot more than that if we want to fill up our league. We have to get flyers into schools. We have to get, you know, posters into the community. And uh, so there's already an effort that's, that's ongoing, and we still need to do more of that. So if you can help out, you know, by um, posting things, you know, going around and, and, and uh, seeking businesses that would let us put a poster in or, uh, you know, passing out flyers, we can, we can use your help there. That's kind of a temporary thing before our league starts. Once our league starts, we're going to be needing uh, head coaches. And uh, last year we had about uh, 26 teams. That's 26 head coaches that we need, okay? This is what I consider the front line of our, of our ministry. The, this is where the rubber meets the road. You have an opportunity to develop relationships with every one of the families that are on your team and develop friendships, okay? Uh, we're we're going to give you all the training you need to be a coach. If you, uh, if you can stand up, you can be a basketball coach. And uh, we, it's an awesome opportunity to develop relationships with the kids and their families. But if, you know, if that's a little intimidating, you don't know anything about basketball, you never played in high school, no, no worries, because we need that many assistant coaches as well, okay? And assistant coaches have lots to do. You know, while the head coach is maybe out there instructing the kids, the assistant coach is doing some of the administrative tasks, and so there's lots of things for an assistant coach to do. People, here's another truth, people like to eat, Okay, and we feed them good in our snack shack. But that, it takes a lot of effort just to make that happen. You wonder why that's number four on the list here is because it's such an important thing that requires a lot of work. But it can be very rewarding as well. And, and the children and their families love coming here and getting a treat or even, some, you know, they can get a full-blown breakfast or lunch or dinner if they stick around long enough from our snack shack. So if you can help out with that, you can see the, the kind of shifts that we're looking for. Also, to administrate our games, we need scorekeepers and timekeepers. You know, we're going to be running probably Friday nights. We're going to be running all day on Saturday. And so it's great to have people that will just come and sit at the table. You don't even have to be able to stand up to do this job. You can sit at the table. You can operate our our clock, which is very, very simple. You can keep score at the table. And uh, it's great to have willing workers that are available to do that. And we can train you to learn to do everything you could possibly need to know. Hey, we also need referees, okay? Chris Matz, a referee commissioner, is always looking for good people that can run up and down the court with him and uh, officiate the games. The good thing about this is you are the, when you're a referee wearing an upward shirt, you are the highest authority in the gymnasium at any given time, all right? That's a power trip right there, okay? So any of you with your fragile egos want to put on the stripes, we can take care of you there. And then, uh, obviously, our gym needs to be set up 
and cleaned up afterwards. And so setup often happens, you know, on Friday nights or Friday afternoons and then on Saturday morning and then Saturday evening. There's nothing better than having been there all day long on a Saturday and being dead tired and some fresh uh, blood comes in and starts cleaning up the gym. I mean, there's, that's, it's a beautiful sight. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of people say that, you know, one of these days they, they're going to go to college, or maybe they're in college right now, and uh, they want to get into management, okay? If that's you, I have a job for you. You can be our gym manager. All right? Sounds like big bucks, doesn't it? It's not, but it's an extremely important job because when you're running the hundreds of people in and out in our building on a given, you know, on a Friday night or a Saturday, it, uh, it uses up you know, our resources, and so we have to keep things stocked. We have to keep things clean because we want to put on our best face for the community. So our gym manager is walking around the building, make sure, making sure that trash is picked up, making sure the bathrooms are in good shape for our guests to, to enjoy the facility. Uh, devotional leaders. One thing we're kicking around this year is maybe getting some professional devotional leaders because, you know, at, at each one of our practice times, uh, the coach breaks in the middle of the practice, and we sit the kids down, and we present a biblical uh, Christian value lesson to them. And some of our coaches have a difficult time with that, so we may get some professionals out there. And so if, if that's you, if you can take a, a Bible script and turn that into something interesting for the kids to hear, if you're a good storyteller, uh, we've got a spot for you there. And then the last one is kind of my favorite. It's willing worker. Okay, if you're just somebody that's willing to help out in this ministry, but you don't know exactly where you would fit in the best or how we can best use you, you just check that box right there, and we will help you find the right spot where you can maximize your talents and gifts and make a huge impact for for the Lord's work. So, again, please put a check box on there. Uh, We're going to be collecting these outside the, the uh, two doors here, so you're not going to be able to get out this way without passing our table. I've instructed the ushers to chain the, the front doors, and uh, so I think Jason's taking care of that. So don't even think about going out those back doors. They're the ones in the front of the building. So just exit out here, and we'll, we'll collect your, your papers or uh, help you um, find the right spot. Hey, I'm going to do something interesting today. Let's just see how this works out. If... Um, If Upward had anything to do with you being here today, would you please just stand up? Okay, folks. Look around. This is the kind of impact we can have on on our world and our our community. Thank you. You guys can sit down, except for Dan. Dan, come on up here. Um, I hope you can see how important it is to the church that we're able to reach out to our community, to God's children, and to uh, help them to become uh, in a relationship, a saving relationship with with Jesus. And so um, I'm going to bring, we're going to bring Dan up here. Now, Dan Aparicio is somebody that I met a long, long time ago. Dan, how long have you been around here? Yeah, at least a dozen years. Dan, I would always see Dan sitting at the table in the center of the gym keeping score. He, he always volunteered, I think, for my dad's fifth and sixth grade boys division is what I remember. I mean, you were probably doing it way before that. But the Dan would sit there and keep score for every game. It was always great to have him because he always did a great job. And uh, lo and behold, we had his two kids uh, participate in our league. And uh, Dan and Linda and their children are 
uh, active members here at the church, and we're really pleased to have him. And so we've asked Dan to just come up and share his testimony with you this morning. Dan? Morning, Crosspoint. You know, if I can share with you just a little story, take you back to the last century. It's about 1974, around Christmas, and I had this one wish. I wanted a basketball. Not really a basketball, but that's what I got. I wanted a football. And, and before, you know, a week before the presents were out there, and I could feel through the, through the wrapping paper of this gift, I could feel the pebble grain, I could feel the rounded ball. And I was like, I was so certain. It was a, it was a football. It's a football. It's what I wanted. I had to take over for the Dallas Cowboys because Roger Stavik wasn't going to last forever. And, and I needed a football to start this journey. And so on Christmas morning when I opened this gift, it wasn't a football at all. It was a basketball, and, I, and it wasn't what I expected. And, and, and I, was, I was really bummed because I wanted a football. And it was kind of like this experience I had with Upward and their basketball. It wasn't what I expected. One day I was just lounging around on the, on the sofa like dads do, and I saw this, this, this ad. It was a picture ad for, for you know, Cross Point Church about their basketball league, Upward. And I was like, wow, that would be a great place to start my son. And sure enough, you know, we started, and we came here, and I go, great, he's going to get his basketball skills, you know, something I wanted to pass on to him. But when we came here, it wasn't quite what I expected. It was like opening that gift on Christmas morning. It wasn't what I expected. You know, I was drawn into this church. I was drawn into this church, firstly, by the greeters. There was these warm greeters at every time I came here. Certainly the Doolittle family. Certainly Jerry Doolittle. Certainly Forrest. And I enjoyed their warm-hearted reception every time. And they kept telling me, hey, why don't you come to church on Sunday? Or why don't you come to Wednesday family meetings? And it took forever for me to get there. And when I came on Wednesday nights, it wasn't what I expected. It was really a genuine experience. It was great. I thought at first there was something wrong with these people. (laughs) You know, is this a cult? Is this some pyramid scheme? What is going on? These people can't be real. But it was genuine. It was genuine. It was far beyond basketball. And if I may flash forward to the next century, and I'll take you back to November at awards ceremony for Upwards. And I was seated there with my team. And I can tell you at the end of the ceremonies, I had two Christ-like recipients seated in my row. Kyla, Kayla had, had, had won the girls, and one of my assistants coach is Luis was the year 2014 recipient of the Christ-like, and it wasn't what I expected. But there I was, graced with two Christ-like recipients seated with me in my row, and it was just a great experience. You know, we we use the awards night to surmise our season's end, and it's it's a bittersweet experience. It's bitter because it's over, but it's sweet because, well, there's lots of cookies, and there's punch. And, of course, the kids get their parting gifts. And then we get home. My daughter immediately puts up her backboard basketball over her bedroom door, and she starts playing with her gift. And, yeah, it's, it's a bittersweet time, mostly sweet. And if I could, could encourage anyone to, to join any one of those duties, it, it, I'm sure you'll find that it's not what you expect. 
it's like that it's like that ball I opened up on, on Christmas morning. It wasn't what I expected. And certainly when I joined upward, it connected me to so much more than just basketball. And I, I would encourage anyone else to join and give, and you'll find that, you know, when you serve, that you'll find genuine happiness. And I thank you for your time. Thank you, Dan. Wonderful testimony, great stories. And, and Dan spoke about um, being greeted by Forrest and Jerry Doolittle. And uh, sometime after that, Jerry, if you recall, took a fall. And she was uh, in a convalescent home for a short period of time. And every time I went to pray with Jerry Doolittle, he was either already there or shortly arrived, was Dan Aparicio. And we appreciate that. Hey, uh, just a couple of things I want to bring to your attention before we wrap this up here today. First of all, our mandate. The Great Commission is our mission. It's not the good suggestion. It's the Great Commission. Now, Jesus' last words are here on the screen. This was our response reading this morning, and only about half of you read that with us. And so I want you to really read this with some meaning here, all right? We're all going to read this together. The first word is go. The last word is creation. Are you ready? Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now, see that word all? All includes children. Are they not a part of creation? I think the King James Version calls them creatures. Are not children creatures? And we are to preach the good news to all creatures, even the little children. I love this verse because Jesus included little children. Now suppose, now now listen to me here, make this connection. These are the last words that Jesus spoke before ascending into heaven. Now suppose for a moment that the first words we hear once we get to heaven, are these. Did you obey the Great Commission? Did you reach out to everybody else? It's a good question. It's a question, I believe, that is worth contemplating. See, children were important to Jesus. I love this picture. Look at this picture up here. I started using it last year. One of my favorite pictures of Jesus is sort of a, uh, you know, kids around him. He's smiling. He's happy. Look at They're smiling. The Bible says this kind of stuff happened on a regular basis with Jesus. There was something about Jesus that was gravitating children to him. Children just don't go to anybody. Jesus had a genuine love for children. Now, the disciples didn't. We read this story in in Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus and having them touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. Get out of here, you little brats. Reminds me of Bill Williams, meanest kid man in the neighborhood. You never crossed Bill Williams' lawn. He was on a corner. And you know how most kids just cut across the corner of someone's lawn? Just You didn't have Bill Williams, man. You, you, you kids, get off my yard. Jesus was not a guy like that. Jesus. Jesus loved kids. Jesus saw this and he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Don't hinder the kids. 
Oh, Bruce, you don't see what those kids are doing. They're running around the church when they're doing the, yeah, I know, I know. And, you know, we got to kind of watch that. You know, we don't need skateboards and people tripping. Blah, blah, blah. I get that. And, we, you know, we'll, we'll work on that. But don't chase the kids off either. There's, there's got to be that balance, right? We've got to love the children. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. That's that picture. And he put his hands on them and he blessed them. Now listen to me. This is very important. In order for there to be another generation of believers, they must come from this generation of believers. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. In order for there to be another generation of believers, they got to come from this generation of believers. We've got to make that happen or it's not going to happen because the Great Commission was not given to the school districts. As a matter of fact, they're fighting it. The Great Commission wasn't given to the governments. The governments are fighting it. The Great Commission wasn't given to the corporations. That's not their job. That's not what they're all about. The Great Commission was given to who? The church. Us. That's our responsibility. Jesus took it seriously, especially when it came to kids. And so that's our mandate, the Great Commission. What's our mission? I want you to get involved with me here again. Uh, we, we haven't been doing this enough, but this um, is our mission statement. And we should be reading this more regularly. And so we're going to read it today. Sounds like a good day to read it to me. So let's start with the verse, or the word two. Are you ready? To glorify God by lovingly pointing people to the cross of Jesus for salvation and growth. I want to point little children to Jesus. I want them to be saved, and then I want them to grow, because I want there to be another generation of families in the pews, and I want heaven to be a fuller place. We've got to play a part in that. What could be more important than using these tools in Keith's toolbox? A pom-pom for a little cheerleader to let us tell her about Jesus. A basketball, a soccer ball. Great tools. If Jesus can use fishes and loaves, why can't we use a pom-pom and a basketball, right? Our beliefs, here they are. Here's what we believe. We believe a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. What's the great commandment? Love God. Someone says, what does it take to be uh, involved in upward sports? Well, you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Anybody here love God? Oh, you got to love kids, his children. Isn't that the great, the great commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, soul, and but then love your neighbor as what? Yourself. Your neighbor includes children. Reach out. God is looking for people to use. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, the eyes of the Lord. What's that mean, the eyes of the Lord? It means God's looking. God's searching. He's searching for people. He's looking through the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So the question is, are you committed? Beliefs don't mean much until you put them into practice. We say around here all the time, the hope of the world is Jesus Christ and his gospel proclaimed through the local church. 
That's us. Now, there's a cost. You know, Keith went through the, the, the sheet there with, you know, some of the needs we had. You know, some things may take 20 minutes. Some things may take a couple hours. You're working in the snack shack. Others may take a little bit more than that. Some may a little less than that. But everybody can take a part in that. I know it's like a 10-week commitment, and the benefits are great. The Great Commission is preached. Crosspoint fulfills the Great Commission. Souls are saved. Heaven's a fuller place. And God is glorified. That's fantastic. That's a wonderful benefit. First Thessalonians 2.19 says this. Are you not my joy and my crown? Who wrote Thessalonians? The apostle Paul. Paul was a commissioner. He was born out of season. He wasn't with the original 12. But he came on board a little later. Okay? He's saying to those that hid one to Christ, are you not my joy and my crown? See, the Bible talks about us receiving a crown in heaven. Paul says, the only crowd I need is the people that I've reached for Jesus, those that are saved. And I got to wondering when I read that verse, because I, I sometimes, I'm one of those results-oriented kind of guys. I like to see the fruit of my labor. Okay, you do X, Y, and Z, and boom, there it is right in front of you. It's like when I mow the lawn, I can look back and go, ah. Lawns mode, green grass, looks great. You know, I'm one of those instant gratification kind of guys. But upward doesn't always work that way, does it? We had a guy that later became an elder at our church. It took him four years before he even darkened the doors of our church building. I said, what took you so long? He said, nobody invited me. Until one day, we had a bring your neighbor day, and someone invited him. It may be that simple, folks. Build a relationship with someone and invite them. And so everybody can do something. And I got to wondering, when we get to heaven, how many, I don't think you're a little child in heaven, and and I don't have a real scripture to back this up or to prove this, but in my mind's eye, everybody's 30 years old in heaven, all right? This is just mine. It comes from the Rokas Revised Version, you know, so take it with a grain of salt. I felt good at 30, all right? Um, And perfect bodies, perfect health, everything. If you're in heaven, it's a perfect place. And for someone to come up to you and say, hey, Bruce, I want to thank you. And just put your name in there. I'm just using mine for now. Well, why is that? Well, at Cross Point Church, you guys had a sports ministry. And, and a cheerleading ministry. And my family, kind of like the Aparicios, read this little ad, and they brought me. And we went for a few years, and then our family moved away, and you never saw me again, but that was the start of our family getting connected with Jesus Christ. And then that led to this, and this led to that, and then our salvation took place. But you guys played a role in that. I just want to thank you and, and, and Keith and Athena and Chris and all the people that there, that Snack Shack folks, all the, all the folks there at Crosspoint. We've got a lady here that pays for scholarships for kids. They may come up to her and say, I don't want to mention her name. She wouldn't want that. You don't know me, but my family didn't have enough money 
and I wanted to play basketball, and you paid for me. I'm now in heaven. Thank you. Ooh. Don't you know stories like that are going to happen? Paul says, are you not my joy and my crown? Ah, oh, are you not my reward? What greater reward could you receive besides your salvation than to get to heaven and say, I played a part, I played a role in the salvation of somebody else? Ooh, if that didn't get you excited, something's wrong. Somebody said, we heard a testimony. We've heard the word of God preached this morning. we got a few minutes left. Someone said, a picture's worth a thousand words. We've got a slide showcase. you got that kind of queued up. Let's just take a look at what we're talking about this morning through the slideshow. Okay, one more verse. We'll wrap this thing up. Genesis, up here on the screen. Jesus loves children, doesn't he? And so did Father Abraham. Had seven sons, right? Well, we, that's not quite right. That's what the song says. I mean, we sing a lot of unscriptural stuff, but this is scripture. Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Ooh, God's talking. Did anyone hear God talking this morning from the word? Does God still speak to us? Remember that word go? What's part of going? Little children, right? The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go. There's that word go again. Go to a land you know nothing about, a culture you know nothing about, a whole new day, a whole new experience, and I'll I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll do a bunch of things for you. I just want to ask you a question this morning. What if Abraham said no? Just what if for a moment. Now, we know he said yes, but what if he said no? Aren't you glad he said yes? Because he said yes. Abraham had an Isaac. Isaac had a Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One whose name was Joseph. Joseph became a great leader in Egypt. God raised up a Moses, freed from Egypt, Egyptian captivity, led a whole group of Hebrew children to a mountain called Sinai, From Sinai, they went to a promised land. In the promised land, a child was born. His name was Jesus Christ. The seed of woman. Lived a perfect life. Died a perfect death. Rose a perfect resurrection. And he's coming back for his church one day. Because Abraham said yes to God. Aren't you glad he said yes? We're asking you to fill out that paperwork that you got your bulletin this morning. There's something on there you can say yes to. Now, there may be a category that you're, that you're going, you know what, I can't do any of these things. I'm not wired like any of that stuff. Well, then you fill out something that you are wired for that would fit and say, hey, I want to do this, and then take that. We're going to have someone out here in the Portico area after the service this morning. Take it to them and say yes to God this morning. We're in a race with the world for the heart of every child. The first one to get there wins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the difference makers that you have used from the beginning of time. People like Abraham, who made a great difference, we're here today because of him, being faithful to you. We have been blessed because these difference makers have said yes over the centuries of time.
Bless every difference maker who is here this morning serving you and our community and throughout the world, through not just Upward Sports, but in all the ministries we do at our church. From making pillowcases to go to India to uh, basketball camps, vacation Bible schools, and every ministry that reaches the hearts of people who are far from God. Help us to fulfill your great, great commission, Father, uh, with your great love so that heaven will be a fuller place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.